Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. Waiting on the world to change is tonight's title. And Ricky, I'm you can... Oh yeah, come on. Go on, Mayor. Come on. Keep it good, eh? I just thought, get this into your craniums. Every time you hear it, you're going to think, waiting on the world to change. I just um, <laughs> take a look at my notes and I've literally been set up here. It's like, not even my notes. Like legitimately, someone, <laughs> I don't know, good. I'm going to, it literally says, you got this, Dan, preach it, slaps is the man. Peter Mitchell is the best. Time for a new earring. Underwater hockey is not a real sport. I would neglect that in Jesus' name. You got this, Dan. Preach it. Slats is the man. I'm going to say that Caleb's done that. Anyway, back to my message. Just thought I'd let you know what's happening up here. Um, Waiting on the world to change. Could that be the theme song to our life? Like, could that be the theme song to our life? That we're just waiting for God to do something around us. We're not being the change in our world. We're just waiting for it. That although we've been given a commission from God, a mission from God, and an empowerment from God, we're still waiting for the world to change. I've noticed something about Christians, me included, is that although we can be terrible at waiting for anything else, something like Australia Post to deliver that parcel, sorry if you work for Australia Post, although we may be terrible at waiting for that McDonald's queue to get through in the drive-thru when you're trying to get, when you're hungry and want to get some food late at night, although you may be, you know, crazy angry at the doctor's surgery when they keep on calling out the other person's name, you get impatient. Although we can wait till the end of church and we're like, come on, when's this going to end? We are super great at waiting on God. Like we're really good at waiting on God. Christians are really, really, really good at waiting, as we say, on the Lord. We can say it like with a little bit of spirituality, spirituality around it. We're waiting on God. You see, we say things like, I'm waiting on the Lord which is good sometimes, but most of the times it means I just haven't got to the place where I want to act yet. I'm just waiting on God to do something for me. Or we say, my personal favourite, I'll pray about it, which means I'm not willing to say no to your face and I'm willing to use God as a scapegoat in order to say I'll pray about something that I really don't want to do right now. So we'll go back to that. And come on, I know that you do that too. We are professionals at waiting on God. We love the scripture Isaiah 40, verse 30 to 31. Even youths grow tired and weary. Yeah, yeah, we know that. And young men stumble and fall. Yeah, we know that. But those who wait on the Lord, we love those words, wait on the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. But we go right back to the word wait and we go, we love that word. Like, I can just wait. I can stop. I, can, I don't have to do anything. I can just wait with God. It's a great place. But that word wait is not actually translated as stop. 
And sometimes we read it like, but those who stop on the Lord will renew their strength. And that looks really convenient because sometimes we get tired and we're like, God, can I just stop? And we read that verse and we go, I can stop. I don't have to do anything. I can just wait on God to do everything that I wanna see happen in the world and have no part in it. But really that word stop is actually translated to the word cover, which means to bind together. So as we are bound together with the Lord, we renew our strength. That seems like something I have to do. That doesn't seem like I've just stopped you know, my journey with God, but I'm actually intentional about my relationship, even in the waiting. Like even when I feel like I'm waiting, I'm continually drawing closer and closer and closer and closer to God. And as a result, my strength is renewed. If I stop, my strength is not renewed. And sometimes we go, well, how come I feel so tired? I've had a break and I've stopped everything. I haven't been going to church. I haven't been doing this. Why do I not feel renewed? Because you stopped. You haven't bound yourself together with God. There's something about that word kavah means to bind together. But those who bind their lives to the Lord will renew their strength. Those who bind, don't worry. You know, some, sometimes we're like this. Don't worry about the soaring. You know, don't worry about the flying. I'm just gonna stop. Don't worry about the running. I'm just gonna stop. Don't worry about the, even the walking. I just wanna stop, but God's saying, no, no, no. You bind yourself into me and then renewal comes and then the peace of God comes and then um, the things start to pass. You bind yourself to me and I will renew your strength. You see, even in our waiting, we should be actively pursuing God. Even in our waiting, God expects us to be moving. We do realise that. Like we can't just sit in church. Oh, kick that. We can't just sit in church and wonder when God is going to do something. We can't sit in church and wonder when God is going to save our school, to work in our university, to do something in our family, in our workplace, in our community. Because God is asking us, are we willing to be the answer that we pray for? Or are we comfortable just waiting on Him to return one day and make all things right? You see, I think the biggest danger to the church today is not politicians or political parties. It's not COVID, church. It's not what we've been taught in schools or universities. The greatest danger to the church today is our infatuation with waiting on Jesus to come back and change our world. We think we can wait, stop, and just one day Jesus will come back and change everything. That's not what the Scriptures teach. It says in John 4 verse 35, don't you have a saying, it's four months till harvest? I tell you, open up your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Open your eyes, look at your workspace. They're ripe for harvest. Open your eyes, look at your school. They're ready to receive God. Open up your eyes, look at your family. They're ripe for harvest. This community needs Jesus. You see, Jesus did His job. He died and He rose again and He did a pretty good job of it too. And when He left, He left His Holy Spirit, not so that we could wait, but that we could be empowered to change our world. 
We don't have to wait for Him to come back someday. He has already been to empower us today. You see, are we looking for a Saviour who will do everything for us? Because that's what a Saviour does. They do what you can, cannot do. And Jesus is our Saviour because He died on the cross. He rose again and He's given us freedom. He's given us hope. He's given us the Holy Spirit, which is great. But sometimes that's all we want. Or are you looking for a Lord who chooses you to do everything, who chooses us to do everything through us? To chooses, sorry, or are we looking for a Lord who chooses to do everything through us? See, we can have the Savior do everything for us, but then there comes a time when He has to be Lord and He chooses us to do things through. He can't just keep on doing everything for us, otherwise, there's no maturity. Parents, you know, you can't keep on doing everything for your kids. Otherwise, they won't mature into the adults that they need to be. It's the same with God. God will not provide and He won't keep on doing things for you to keep you stunted in your spiritual growth. There comes a time where He goes from just being your Saviour to also being your Lord and He empowers you to be the change that you look for. You see, His kingdom comes when you love your neighbour as yourself. His kingdom, that's why we pray the prayer. Your kingdom come on what? Earth as it is in heaven. It's not your kingdom come someday when you come down from heaven, when you return. No, no, no. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So when you love your neighbour as yourself, that's God's kingdom. When you pray for that person you feel God put on your heart, that's God's kingdom. When we choose to be different to the culture around us, that is God's kingdom. You see, we have a choice. The kingdom of God is here, church. That's point number one. The kingdom of God is already here. We don't have to wait for it. Isn't that great? Like we get impatient, but we don't have to wait for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the here, now, today. It's not someday. It's not when, it's not at the end of time. It's today. We are living, breathing in the kingdom of God. But do we realise it? Do we realise it? Luke 19, 11, going back to that parable that I talked about. So Jesus is walking into Jerusalem and all the disciples think, when's this guy gonna turn over this Roman government, give us our freedom and make us look like absolute champions? That's pretty much what they're thinking. Jesus realises and marked these words that while they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable. Why? Because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought, listen, that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. How often do we feel like the kingdom of God one day, someday in the future will just all appear at once without living from the revelation that God actually wants us to reveal the kingdom of God here, today, and now? You see, sometimes we judge the disciples. We go, well, how come they didn't know? Like you look at when they're mourning Jesus' death, you're like, bro, they told you three days. He told you that he was going to die and rise again. How come you don't know that he is going to rise again? Why are you mourning Jesus? And we have hindsight. We have the Bible. We have the end of the story. But we're really more like the disciples than we care to admit. Because sometimes we go, you know, God, when are you going to come back and fix everything? Which is what the disciples are asking Jesus to do. They're all thinking, this guy's about to go into Jerusalem and fix everything. We're no longer going to be under Roman oppression. And we're going to look like the absolute, you know, we're going to look the best because we're rolling in with him. 
And then Jesus tells this parable about something that's invested into somebody and that they have to work with until the king comes back eventually. And you see, we have something that's been invested into us, church, that we need to work with. It's called our faith. That Jesus has given us something that that we have to work. And I love those words in the second verse where it says, put this money to work, he said, until I come back. That's in verse, um, verse 13. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minutes. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. You see, parents, have you ever told your kid to do something and you get home and they're still doing the thing that you told them to do? And you know that it didn't take that long to achieve the job that they're trying to achieve. And teenagers, you know that the sound of your parents' car when they're pulling in the driveway and they've told you to do something, like do the dishes, and you're like, I'll have it done by the time you get back. You've been gaming for too long. You've been in the zone. And then you hear the sound of that car. You know the sound, you know the tone of that car. And as they pull in the driveway, it's amazing how much can get done with a little bit of parent motivation in those moments. And parents, you get home and you're like, what are you still doing? Like, did you forget? Did, did, I, did I not make myself clear, parents? Come on. Did I not make myself clear here? I wanted this, this, this done. And we go, you know, like I just, I got distracted. I didn't mean to when I got caught up in the game. I got, when God comes back, when Jesus comes back, is that going to be our reaction? Like Jesus, I I wasn't expecting you yet. I, I know you gave me some faith, but I didn't really put it to work. I know you gave me a call and a destiny and and a plan, but I was too busy distracted with my everyday things that I forgot to bring your kingdom to earth. The parable says, put this money to work. Church, can I say this? Put your faith to work. Because it says, until I come back. So we we don't have to have all the answers, but the deposit that Jesus has left us, we are called to put to work. So if God's given you a deposit of faith, put that work, put that to work in somebody else's life. Do you know how we invest faith? In people. You can't invest it any other way. Like Jesus, Jesus healed people as a result of other people's investment of faith. Like the people who, the, the people who dropped the, the beggar from the roof, you're healed as a result of those guys' faith. And Jesus is calling us as a church to have the faith for somebody else. You don't have to be perfect. You do realise that. That you don't actually have to be perfect to be used by God. Like, it's not like I'm waiting for some day when I have everything in order. I'm in the perfect place at the perfect time with the perfect um, move of God. No, no, no. I'm not waiting for that because I bring everything that I have in my life and give it a God-shaped purpose. My past, my present, and my future. God can take anything, doesn't matter how messy the past, and give it a God shape. God can take the messiest situations and give it a God shape when we allow Him to. Put the faith to work until I come back. You see, the permission is given. Point number two, the permission has already been given to you. You don't have to wait till someday to make the move. You don't have to do something for God someday. It's today. It's tomorrow. It's the next day. And it starts small. Sometimes we think we need platform to do something for God. You don't need a platform. We don't need, we don't need a stage or a microphone to do something for God. 
If that's all we do for God, what a poor world we would live in. But if we love people on the everyday, if we're the difference in our workplace, if we carry a different culture, then that is the thing that God's called us to do. Let's not wait for perfection. Let's not wait for the platform. Let's not wait for the the perfect timing, but let's be empowered with what He has given us that we would be faithful to work with. We have permission. We have the authority. We have the right to, are you guys quiet for a reason? But we have the right to change our world. We don't have to wait until He comes back someday to do it. Today is the day to activate our faith and invest it in somebody else. You see, Jesus, sorry, Jesus tells the story and what happens is, like he comes back, the master, and he goes, well, how many did you get? Like you got, you got 10, how many, how many more did you make? And he says, well, I got 10 more. Pretty good, isn't it? He goes, great, you can have 10 cities. Because you did, because I can trust you with a little, I'm going to give you cities. The next person comes and say, well, I got, I got five more. He says, great, you can have five cities. Because you were trusted with the little and you risked it and you deposited it and you, and you invested it and made something multiply, you can have five cities. But then there was a person with nothing. He didn't lose anything, but he didn't gain anything. He was waiting for the master to come back. Isn't it funny, his perception of the master too? Don't you feel like that? Like, Sometimes we get messed up perceptions of God and we go, God's like, God's not that, He's a big fearful man who's gonna, you know, like discipline us. And He does discipline us, but this man puts his master in this terrible light and the master goes, well, because you, why would you even think that? And if you did think that, why didn't you deposit something so that I could have at least had something multiplied? And sometimes we get the mixed image of God and we get this mixed emotions and we are too afraid to do anything with what God has given us. But what has God given you that He's calling you to invest in those around you? Luke 19, 20 to 26, it says, Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your minna. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. You only keep dead things in cloth. I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. They wrapped Jesus' body in cloth. They put it in the tomb and Jesus came out. You don't put your faith in cloth. You don't try to hide your faith. You don't try to keep it concealed. You've got to reveal it in Jesus' name. You take out what you did not put in. You reap what you did not sow. Then he said to those standing by him, take it all away and give it to the one who has 10. You see, sometimes we ask God to give us cities and nations, but we're not willing to see our neighbor saved or our friends saved or the people in our world saved. Like we go, oh, I'll just, I wanna see everyone saved. I wanna see everyone in relationship with God. We can all be in relationship, which we can, but there has to become a practical element where we are bringing His kingdom to earth today. There's no use in hoping one day Jesus comes back and everything happens and the move of God is there. We've got to bring the presence and the power of God into our world today. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 to 22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He has anointed us, set His seal of ownership on us, 
and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. You see, if we want to be trusted with cities, if we want to be trusted with our community, we've got to invest in what we have, what we have to be trusted with more. If we want to see our family saved, let's start with one. If we want to see our friends saved, let's just start with one neighbour. Not all of our neighbours, just one neighbour. And let's see what God does. What are you waiting for? Who are you investing in? And are you waiting for the King to return? Or are you living from the confidence that the King has already come? Pulling out the band back. I don't think it's time to wait any longer in the sense of stopping. I feel like we're great at stopping and waiting on God and just bringing it like, God, what are you gonna do for us? God, how are you gonna, how are you, gonna you know, see everyone saved? How are you gonna do this and do that? And we, we ask God those questions, we get strategy for it, but His answer is always, always us. His answer is always you. It's never different. It's always you in your world, being the change, bringing the kingdom from heaven to earth. So my question is, why are we waiting for the world to change if we're not bringing the change? Why are we waiting for things to change in the environment of our nation if we're not bringing the, the change from, from His church, from his, the power of His Word? Why are we waiting for people to get saved when we are supposed to go out and see them saved? Why are we waiting for people to fill the seats when we can bring somebody to church with us next Sunday and see the seats filled? Why are we waiting for the world to change? See, we've got an investment. I love that scripture that says, He set His seal of ownership on us and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit. You see, Jesus is describing Himself in this parable. He would return, He would go somewhere, but He would return as King. And the disciples in this moment, they, they're probably thinking a number of things like, what does He mean? How does He mean that? And Jesus has left His Holy Spirit with us for a reason, church. And until the day that He comes back on the clouds of glory, which is in Revelation, we, we can you know, shout for that and we can get excited about that. But we can't wait for that. We've got to start to see the world saved. We've got to start to bring His kingdom to earth today. See, the disciples thought that He was about to do it all for them and so do we sometimes. We think, God, what are you going to do? But God's calling us to be the change. See, God's placed His Spirit in you and He expects us to give a return for the investment. I know that's a little bit scary, isn't it? But it's the truth. Jesus has invested something in our hearts and He expects a return. He's not unfair because the other guys go, well, they've already got one. They've already got 10. He says, well, He wasn't trusted with one. He wasn't trusted with two or three or four. And so He's not unfair, but He does expect a return 
on what He has invested. And doesn't He deserve it? Doesn't God deserve a return to a glorious bride filled from left to right, front to back? Doesn't Jesus, doesn't Jesus, hasn't He earned that? A return that sees multiplication of what He started? A return that sees the power of God not confound to a, to a service, but throughout our weeks. A return that sees people coming to the feet of Jesus and crying out and being found at His feet. Doesn't He return to something more beautiful than what He started with because of you and me? You see, the best days of the Kingdom of God weren't when He was walking the earth because He's still walking the earth through you, through me. The best days of Jesus is not the past we have to look to for the things of God. It's the future. It's the present. It's the here, today and now. And let me tell you, Jesus isn't coming back to fix it all for us. He's waiting on us to, to have the realisation. Hang on a second, I'm the answer. I don't have to wait. I don't have to wait for someday when I hear the trumpet blast for God to come and fix everything. I can start today. I'm empowered today. I'm commissioned today. I don't have to have perfection today. I just need to have purpose today. I don't have to have anything else. I just need to know that I am sealed and owned and I have a holy deposit from a glorious God that will reap reward when I invest it in the lives around me. waiting on the world to change? Or are we changing the world around us? Are we just looking for a God who does everything for us? Or are we looking for a God who empowers us to do everything through Him? See, God will never move around us. You're never gonna see a God if you're looking for it around you. A move of God if you're looking for it all around you. You're only gonna see a move of God when it's through you. We wanna see a move of God? Let's get moving. We wanna see a move of God, let's get praying. We wanna see a move of God, let's start bringing the light of heaven into our workplace. We wanna see a move of God, let's have a culture that is so stable on who God has called us to be that we're not shaken when things happen left or right. We're not looking at all the different options that the world can bring. No, no, we wanna have a move of God. We're gonna get our eyes on Him. We've gotta get our hearts on Him. We've gotta get, got get the revelation that we are sealed into His good plan. We have been raised to life in Christ. Can we stand to our feet? I can think of no better way to end tonight's service, and we're not going right yet, but then singing that, all I need is you. Did you know that you don't have to have all the answers to be used, but all we need is God? We, we just need the infilling power of God. And I wonder if, I'm just gonna open up this altar just for a few minutes. But if you're willing to say, hey, I'm sick of waiting for the world to change. Like maybe I've been waiting for a few years. Maybe I've just been sitting and I've been thinking and maybe I, I haven't really been pursuing and haven't been binding myself into the presence of God. And I'm sick of waiting for the world to change. Maybe that's you. And in this moment, I just want us to, to take one step because I think it would. I think there's something about taking a physical action that results in spiritual reaction. That as we take a physical step, something in our spirit starts to leap and starts to go, "Hey, now this is this is a moment right now." 
And so if that is you and you're saying, hey, I'm sick of waiting for the world to change, I'm gonna start changing my world from today, from right now. Then as we sing this song, All I Need Is You, I wonder if you'd just come down the front. We're not gonna have to spend much time down the front, but as we sing this song, thanks, Ben, I wonder if you would come down the front and we would just start to, we would start to sing this and believe this, that all we need is You, God. We don't need perfection. We don't need to have everything in order. We don't need platform. We don't need the opportunities to come by, God. All we need is You in our world today moving through us. So why don't we start to sing that right now. All I need is You. If you wanna come down the front, you can come down the front. If you wanna stay in your chair, you can stay in your chair. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.